Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. I am the producer, Jason Lewis. I would like to thank you for tuning in to the From the Shadows podcast. And without further ado, here is your host, Shane Grove. Welcome, everyone, to From the Shadows podcast. This is your host, Shane Grove. And uh, we're we're doing this intro today. We're going to introduce all of our listeners to probably the most famous member of the uh, podcast crew other than Jerry because we don't believe Jerry's really going to attain his level of uh, certain fame until he dies trying to tackle Bigfoot. But uh, with us in the studio today is Reese Redman. How's it going, Reese? I'm doing fine. You're doing fine. Yes. Okay. Are you, are you a little bit nervous? Very. Very nervous? Is it because Jerry and the judge are sitting on either side of you and they didn't shower or what? <laughs> Kind of. Kind of, okay. All right. Well, we'll work through that, okay? <laughs> For those of you who do not know, Reese, um, almost on a weekly basis, does a little uh, video called Reese's Something to Think About. Yes. Yes? Okay. So, uh, in these videos, Reese gives everybody a little uh, fun fact on the paranormal or just something crazy that a, uh, what grade are you in? Third? Yes. Third grader would... Uh, Maybe cross her mind, although I don't. I'm not sure it's a normal third grade thought process. But Reese is a little uh, above the curve, right? Think of yes. Your, think of your, okay. So what gave what what spurred your interest in the paranormal and the and the fun fact sort of thing? Probably when my dad started to watch Finding Bigfoot, and when my sister watched. A lot of conspiracy theory videos. Really? Okay. So, what about those? What about that show? Did you find the most fascinating? Like, what really uh, made you want to find out more? Just. So you basically you wanted to know more than what your dad knew. Is yes. that what you're saying? Okay. All right. I got a secret. It's not going to take a whole lot. Just, you know, read maybe another book and you'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. Hanging around the judge today might help. Might help out, too. A thirst for the unknown. A thirst for the unknown. Mm-hmm. Yes, straight from the judge's mouth. Um, so what's your favorite What's your favorite thing to do, then, when you're searching for, for new information about 
the unknown. Probably to watch conspiracy theory videos and search what I'm trying to find out. Search what you're trying to find out? Now, do you do any... Do you just take those conspiracy theory videos at face value, or do you try to do some more research and see if those people really know what they're talking about? Some It just depends on what type of conspiracy theory it is, if it can really happen, or if it's just nonsense. Just nonsense. That's a good approach. That's a good approach. So has your dad ever told you about the conspiracy theory about uh, the rumor that he wore a medal on a date when he was in high school? and was seen wearing such metal? Has he ever, had you uh, investigate that conspiracy theory? No. No? Okay. Due to eyewitness accountability, it, it's very high probability that the story's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Reese, hey, we're glad you came in today to join us. Uh, we have a really cool interview that we are, 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 this is the introduction for. We're gonna talk to Russell Accord from Expedition Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Did you get to watch any of that show? Yes. Yeah, all right. It's mm-hmm. probably your favorite show, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, we're excited to talk to Russell. Okay. We're just, so we're glad that you can join us for the introduction of this episode. Um, and we're looking forward to your next Reese's Something to Think About. I know you got something up your sleeve, right? Yes. Right. I very much so do. Okay. So everybody out there that's listening, um, Make sure you tune in to Reese's uh, Something to Think About. It's We put it up on Instagram and our Facebook page. Every time she gives one, gives us one to, to put up, uh, it's tons and tons of views every time it goes up. Lots of great comments. She's smiling from ear to ear. I look forward to it each week. Yeah, look forward mm-hmm. to it. Because, like I said, she probably can't even walk down the halls at Galleon Middle School without getting mobbed for autographs, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, Jerry knows how you feel. He can't, he can't walk down the halls of Galley Middle School without being accosted. But that's by the security. <laughs> so, thanks again, Reese, for joining us. And we hope everybody enjoys the uh, episode. Goodbye. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and we have a full house here this morning. Uh, with us is the judge. Good morning, everyone. Jason, the super producer. How's it going? Some guy named Jerry. Howdy, everyone. And then our lead field researcher. Um, what's your name? Elisa. Elisa. Okay. <laughs> Elisa. All right. Um, we have a super special guest this morning. Um, he's joining us all the way from the great state of Washington. Uh, world famous, world renowned TV star. Um, super agent, uh, and International Bigfoot Conference organizer, Russell Accord. How are you doing this morning, Russell? I'm doing great. After an introduction like that, I don't know. Uh, that was okay. pretty amazing. Okay, well, I mean, if you don't feel you can live up to it, then, you know, let's, let's – I can start over and say, well, somebody who's very close to Jerry on the uh, on the social – so mean to me. <laughs> so, Russell, we're super excited to uh, to have you on this morning. Um, um, I mean, the first thing we want to jump into is the uh, the television show that you guys just finished, uh, sure. the season just finished, uh, Expedition Bigfoot. I assume most of right. the people that are listening to our podcast are fans of that show. And if, if you're not, not yeah, crazy. Yeah, if not, you're crazy. Because <laughs> for our money, this was probably the best... Uh, show that's been put out 
in the last, you know, since I've been doing Bigfoot shows. Yeah. You know, that is the, the most credible yeah. to go out and do uh, in search of the elusive creature. So. But Russ doesn't count as a creature, though. Russ is, well, they, <laughs> they found him right well, away. absolutely. I found him a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really, it, trying to find myself. Well, <laughs> they're not going to watch his show. Well, then we're going to come after him. The From the yeah. Shadows podcast crew will come after them. So there you go. Really, really excited about the show, Russell. I've had a chance to watch it. Really love the approach that you guys take to the show um, from you know from a scientific standpoint. Um, and we want to talk to you about the show, get some some answers. I think all of us have, but we also understand that because this is in the entertainment field, you're on TV. There's certain non-disclosure agreements that are signed, so you probably can't tell us certain things. So if we uh, try to go down some some back roads here where it's sort of off limits because of any non-disclosure agreements, just let us know. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, so Russell, tell us how you came up with the idea for the show, Exhibition Bigfoot. Oh, let's, let's get all that squared away first. Um, that was not my idea. The entire show was not my idea. This was something that the Travel Channel was... It was an idea that was pitched by someone, and I have no idea who, to the Travel Channel. Um, Travel Channel uh, worked with a company called Rail Splitters to put together a, uh, a group of people to do what they wanted for the show. Um, I, I wish it was my idea because it's brilliant. I, I, I like it, um, but it was it was not my idea. It I was actually one of many many people that got um, interviewed for the parts. That they they wanted somebody who wasn't actually a who who actually did research. They wanted somebody who was a technician person to to get equipment for us out on the show. Uh, they wanted somebody with a, a a background, a very very professional background. So that's where they pick up Dr. Morea. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's talk about a very very smart person to have in the field with you. It's it she's pretty good. <laughs> um, but I'm a flesh and blood guy, and I think that's what they were looking for was somebody who was strictly flesh and blood doesn't um you know i'm i'm a i'm a hard sell I'm a, I'm a big skeptic i need a lot of evidence before i'm gonna say okay i'm gonna wrap my arms on that and i'm gonna say for for sure this is definitive evidence um and then they wanted somebody who was also on that flesh and blood and interdimensional somebody who would be willing to uh to look at that kind of evidence if we came across any so they went through a lot of people came up with the cast that we that you saw on the show and I think collectively we did a I, I think we pretty much covered all the bases yeah cool so how the interviews work yeah I just wondered how when they bring you in an interview how does that work and how and what makes you th- what do you think made you stand out above everybody else uh, to me I couldn't tell you uh, realistically I was absolutely amazed um, <clears throat> We did a couple of Skype interviews. They did a lot of research. It's it's funny because uh, something people should always know is if you're going to be hired for a job anywhere, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to troll you and vet you on your internet or your internet um, presence. They'll look at your Facebook, your your pages. They'll they'll talk to people that that. Uh, have worked with you or that know you or that actually interact with you on Facebook mm-hmm. or um, those sorts of things. Uh, so they, they looked over everybody's history. They looked over 
um, everything. And if you're if you have a very very strong political opinion, regardless of what way, you know, they'll tell you, look, you don't you, you don't want to be controversial. You don't want to put things out there that is that is going to be. Um, you you have to be remain fairly neutral and not have mm-hmm. an opinion because. Um, and, and I think that had a lot to do with it. I keep a lot of that stuff uh, to myself. Mm-hmm. I, I listen, watch, I hover. But but the thing is, is uh, it surprised me. It, it did. It surprised me that they picked me because I I know that there's mm-hmm. a, a, just a, an incredible amount of absolutely qualified researchers out there um, from coast to coast. And maybe they just needed a an old guy. Who knows? <laughs> well, what I've what I just gleaned from that is is if if they call the post office, I'm really screwed. I mean, I am just screwed. I'm not getting on any show. I'm not getting on any other podcast. Nothing. So, right. yeah. Would you like the picture that we have on the wall? <laughs> <laughs> so so um, so did you? How how much did you like? So the show, they bring you guys all together, and, and how much prep work? I mean, there had to be a lot of prep work about what you guys were going to go do and attempt to to go uh, find as far as the research. I mean, how much how much did you, prep work did you guys spend before you guys actually got out on into the field and, and uh, started uh, investigating? So for I, I can't speak for Maria, Dr. Maria. Um, I know that uh, I, I I have the idea what they from what they told me only. Um, they didn't get very much prep work at all. They said be ready to do boots on the ground, get in the mm-hmm. dirt, and do research the way you do research. We're going to set up a base camp, and you guys are just mm-hmm. going to be shoved out in the field, to, and we'll you'll know the location when you drive onto it you we didn't know um, nobody knew that they just they it was just before we were going to show up they said okay you got to show up at this address go so for me um they all they flew in and with their gear they flew in and then they were transported by the the uh, network onto location where we were going to be me, I, I live close enough. I jumped in my truck. My truck is prepared. I can go jump out in my truck right now and live three months out in the, in the wilderness with just the gear that I have on there and the, and the MREs and food and everything else. I'm always ready and always on the go with a truck. Nice. It's got my vision goggles, thermal imaging. It's got everything you can imagine for research. It's all there. So Thus, I can just grab my keys. If somebody says you got to go, the only thing I need are my keys. I got clothes, boots, everything's in that truck. Thus, the title of survivalist. There you go, survive. Yep, that's probably where it comes from. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we all we all showed up on location, and that was my first time with eyes on on the location. We went straight into where we were going to do base camp and set up camp. It was it was. Uh, it was a, it was just kind of an amazing journey because for me, all I wanted to do was get the backpack loaded up, get the hell out of my truck, and get away from everybody. Because <laughs> that's how I do my research. I I don't I don't really enjoy big crowds. I'll go to conferences and that sort of thing, and I'll 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 have my fun. And it sounds weird that I say that because I put on a uh, I was going to say you put on like a but... huge conference. <laughs> you put on a yeah. huge conference. But you my, want a lot my... of crap. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> but my, my comfort zone actually is in, um, literally comfort zone would be in the woods, quiet, alone, watching, um, digging in and just, I, I just, I love it there. Well, let me ask you this. Based upon that experience and based upon your survival skills, are you going to be on Naked and Afraid? <laughs> it's, funny you say, it's funny you say that because I'm actually on the I've, – I've actually interviewed for two things. One of them is Naked and Afraid, and the other one is um, al- uh, Alone. Well, now this is not to be confused with the uh, proposed show starring Jerry – He's naked and we're all afraid. That's <laughs> uh, including Bigfoot. Including Bigfoot. Oh Bigfoot be like, like, even like, Bigfoot says that's too much. I give up. If this guy's trying to tackle me, I I, I quit. So so tell us how, how do you how do you uh, and I know it's a little bit off, but but how do you apply to get on a show like Naked and Afraid? Because that's I'm the person that would show up and they'd say, Okay, you, you gotta get naked. I'm like, no. Or the bugs are going to eat my flesh off of me. I'm never going to make it five minutes into the show. How, how do you apply? I got to be honest. I don't think anybody's telling you to get naked. I mean, really? Are you trying to hey. sell that to us? <laughs> None of us want that here. <laughs> so, 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 how do you apply for a show like that? It's a. It's basically you throw your hat in the ring. Um, you, the network producer that I work with, I asked him. I said, "What do you know about this? How can you?" You, um, how can I make contact with, with a couple of shows that I'd like to be part of? And he said, well, actually, we, we're based out of L.A. I know I work directly with those people. I said, well, let's, let's get the, let's meet, let's talk, let's figure out what we got to do because I want to be on that show. So that's, that was the way it worked for me. I, I don't know how you would do that without having somebody that you could beg your way through the doorway to get an application in. So what do you think the odds are you're going to get on the show? Um, I know it does. takes time. I'm, uh, I, I have, I, I'd say, a 50-50 chance just like anybody else. Awesome. It just depends. You know, I, I didn't have to send any pictures of me standing out in the woods, you know, in a nudist colony or anything. I just, um, <laughs> well, imagine, I'm sure they look over your resume. Imagine signing those eight by ten action figures or action yeah. photos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to be honest. I, I think that that based upon the success of your current show, I think you would you would make a great candidate to be on. He's Russell. He can do anything he wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what about the show? I, I, I would love it. <laughs> so, so Russell, what about the show? Once you get out there, once you get on site, you get to base camp. Um, and for those who haven't watched the show, go watch it. But I remember watching the first episode saying, okay, you know, what's going to happen? So when you get base camp set up, how do you guys decide, all right, this is going to be our plan of attack. This is what we're going to do to try to prove existence of Bigfoot. So before the whole show even started, we did discuss a few things. One of the things that, uh, showrunner asked me, he said, what do you, what is that you what what sets you apart from other researchers? I said, really, I, I couldn't tell you. I said, for me, I would be just as satisfied with getting dropped off 40 miles out, leave me there. And then I'll work my way back to base camp. I'll be there in, you know, four or five weeks. I don't care. Just just put me out there. And that was kind of the idea. They said, OK, so we need somebody that's going to get out there and um, go as far away from base camp as possible. And when we got to camp, 
I got to look at a topical map and I said, okay, this looks like pretty high country right here. I want to go, I want to start high and work my way down. I don't want to, I don't want it to be an uphill battle the whole time. So for me, I wanted, my objective was to go to the highest position I could as quick as I could, and then just start methodically working my way down through the, the, the country into back towards base camp. So I found a route that would actually take me off to the side to where I wouldn't go into the, the research area that I really wanted to be in. I went far to the right and tried to circle up to the right and get to the top of this, this high point, and then I would work my way down. And uh, that didn't work out because we had a couple things that took place with one of the one of the other members of the crew. He got he got sick really bad. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm carrying my pack. We we threw my pack on the scale. It weighed 84 pounds. So I'm working up, you know, uphill with an 84 pound pack, and loving it. Uh, you know, I'm 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 thinking I can't believe I'm you know I'm doing this it was just me one other guy the other guy is ex-military tough as nails and he brought a camera with him in a day pack because he would come back out to where he could get to um the crew and they'd get him into camp or get him where he needed to go he would he didn't always stay out there with me so away we went i'm headed up the side of this hill and they said hey you got to come back to base camp and i'm thinking are you kidding me i've just i've i've worked my butt off to get this high with this pack Mm. so i set up a small camp there and left all the real heavy equipment there i i I think it was just senseless to carry all that burden weight because i have a lot of well with my thermal imaging my night vision goggles i have a lot of metal so i i shed off as much of the weight as i possibly could and then it was much easier getting back down to base camp because it was all freaking downhill so So, so those who haven't watched the show, one of your team members gets really, really sick, mm-hmm. yeah. and so there were some yeah. theories as to as to that. You want to talk about those, or yeah, um, we. Bottom line, we don't know. That was um, whatever got to RPG. He got sick, and from what they were telling me, he got really sick. It was it was. Uh, take your worst migraine and then be sick on top of it and, and not able to keep any food down. Um, and he couldn't get rid of it. It was just tearing him up. And, uh, when I heard about it, you know, you always hear about the uh, infrasound theory, but to date, even though he went and saw a couple of different doctors, nobody knows. He doesn't know. And, and for me, if I, as if, if that had happened to me, I'd be thinking, you know, you, you take your car to the shop and they say, yeah, it seems to be running fine. You're, you're in great shape. Just go. I, I wouldn't be satisfied with that answer. It's like, okay, you're, you're thinking that it's okay. You're telling me to not worry about it, but I'm, I don't trust what happened to me without an answer. So, but he doesn't have any answers, which is really odd. And he hasn't had anything affect him like that since. So he's just, so he's, Fully recovered from whatever was going Ab- on. Yeah, absolutely. He was fully recovered within days of um, getting back home and off that site. So whatever, you know, there's theories of maybe he ate something that was just kicking his butt. Maybe he, the altitude changed. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. 
you know, nobody knows. Maybe the, uh, was it Ronnie LeBlanc that, that replaced him then? Maybe, Correct, yes. Maybe, uh, maybe it was some shenanigans from him. <laughs> Trying to, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe you know he really wanted to get on the show, and he knew he was next up. And and uh. well, when you ask about preparation time, it's funny you say that because they they got hold of Ronnie. Ronnie didn't know uh, uh, he. Ronnie was thrown in there as, hey, you should take a look at this guy. He's similar to what you had with uh, RPG. He does have the interdimensional thought process. He also believes in flesh and blood. He's a really really smart cat. He's got knowledge a really good knowledge base and he's he's uh, fearless so they called him up and they said hey are you interested in this and he said well heck yeah i'm interested in that who wouldn't be blah blah, blah. and they so he's <clears throat> they said well that's that's great news because um i i know it's wednesday night but uh we need you on a plane friday morning and he turned around what? and he was standing i'm already here <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, on plane so he had he had no idea that there was even a show in process when they called him up he was he was because we kept it we had to keep it quiet oh yeah yeah i'm sure yeah that's a, i mean that's an amazing opportunity for him unfortunately for the uh for the other guy you know right. yeah so well so, that's that's why i was telling you uh, ronnie had zero prep time he didn't even have the couple you know months in advance to be excited about it was um from zero to you're in it so when you're talking about elevation, um, Pacific Northwest, how how much elevation are we talking about? Because you know you go from Z, you know you go from sea level to however many thousand feet above sea level, and it's hard. But, Altitude. Yeah, in in my area, I was looking where I wanted to go to was a little over six thousand square feet or six thousand square feet. Oh my goodness, <laughs> elevation of over six thousand feet. Holy yeah, holy. I have not had enough coffee yet this morning. <laughs> I, got, I have some for you, Russ. <laughs> elevation is not that high. I've been much, much higher. But if you think about, um, I think RPG lives at a much lower elevation than that. So I, that's and mm -hmm. that's strictly a theory. I, I could, I'm strictly talking out of just possibilities. I have, I have no knowledge, you know, what got to him, mm -hmm. but. You know, elevation changes definitely affect some people, and and uh, that was just one of the ideas I threw out there. Is all. So walk us through the show then, um, without giving away everything that happens in the show, because we want our listeners to go watch it. But but tell us, you know, strategies that you guys employed to try in the field to say, look, we want to take a very scientific approach to this. We're going to try to prove. The existence of this creature so can you tell us some of the strategies you guys used it was a lot of um technology that we used um the base camp deployed a uh something that the department of defense hasn't even used yet but it's a, a thing that will triangulate where vocalization or where a sound comes from so they were they actually tried some vocalizations recorded uh, alleged vocalizations of a Bigfoot and they played those but they had already set up this equipment to see if you did get a response where those re they could triangulate where that response came from and that was part of the show the other uh, several other things were um, for me mine was much more simple my I was I have uh, I have my own 
two pair of my own military grade night vision goggles. You know how when you're watching the, the TV show and the guy puts the things on his eyes and he has one little lens out the front and he can see everything in green and, and just walk around. I've got two pair of night vision goggles, one for me and, and one for my camera guy if he ended up wanting to use them. Um, I have thermal imaging. I have uh, audio recording equipment. I have just basic camera and, and trail cams that I carried with me too. But mine was more um, about getting out there. I wanted to go to the high elevation and get the furthest away from base camp and just kind of work down towards them. They had plenty to, to research in their area where they just would go out um, a day or two at a time and get into whatever they could find. They were looking for tracks, anything, any disturbances, any hairs, anything that would, would uh, give them any indication. Um, for me, it was the same. I would be out there doing my research, looking, listening, watching. And um, I came, the, the one thing that was really interesting, um, I did come across a hand-built nest or, or something that was nothing like they have at the Olympic project. It was not indicative of what a gorilla would build, but it was something that maybe you or I would build if we just wanted to seek shelter um, in the woods, it was hand built covering and nesting materials on the bottom where if it was just a big storm coming and we wanted to get in out of the, the mess, that's where we would hide. That was very, very interesting. But what made it twice as creepy is there was a dead hawk, a fully intact dead hawk six feet from the opening of this thing, which is mind blowing because you wonder how could whatever built it why would there be a hawk out in front of it? And how often do you find a fully intact dead hawk in the woods? So it was just some, some very, very peculiar and weird things. So I got that on a, I, we marked that on a GPS and I said, okay, um, I called back to base camp. I said, you guys need to have a look at this because Dr. Maria is a primatologist. She would recognize if the nest was something indicative of what would be built by a gorilla. Or a primate. Sure. Um, the dead hawk um, still creeps me out because I have no idea why in the heck a dead hawk would be. So that was, but I thought, okay, we'll let Ronnie and Dr. Maria sort through that because <laughs> I need to keep moving. <laughs> so I just kind of turned that over. I, I'm looking for something big and hairy and fuzzy and angry and six, eight feet tall that's running through the forest. I wanted something that I could put my hands on. I don't know that I'd literally put my hands on it and wrestle it to the ground like some of you guys might, but I would, uh, well, yeah, we're on. Calm down, That's just me that would attempt to take it down. Let me ask you this, Russell, there was, uh, some technology that was able to, um, map, uh, I guess what you would call game trails. Right. So I, I found that pretty fascinating because when you, when you go over the Pacific Northwest or any heavily wooded area from an aerial view, it just looks like a mass of just green. And if you're, you know, try to traverse it on foot, it just, you know, so dense. But you guys were able to find a series of trails using some technology. And can you explain to us how exactly that worked? 
how I mean technology. I, I, I hope I say it right. Uh, I, I want to say lidar. Uh, it's a it's a drone. Yeah. Uh, it's a big giant drone. It's it fits in the back of a truck. It's it's really probably three feet wide or so. It's it was uh, just a big drone that has cameras on it. So it let's just take uh, the example of you're running a 16 millimeter film like Patterson Gimlin film. And you're filming, and as you take this drone and just roll the reel, right? As it rises up over a hill and back down the other side, it's getting a, a clip of every segment of that tree as you come up the side of it, uh, over the top of it, and down the other side of it. So when you're done, you have a very, very good indication of the size of all the trees because you've seen every single angle of them every and then you've seen the angle of every single bump nook and cranny that you can see through the leaves on on this you know as you're going up and over top of so you've got a great look at the trees the the rocks the contour of the land so you put all those frames of 16 millimeter film together and it comes down to a 3d picture that was a very, very lazy description of how, as this drone goes through, it, it's taking rapid-fire pictures of everything along the way and looking down at the earth as it travels. So you're, you're catching everything, all the details, and then it comes back, collects all that information, and you can actually look at it as if you're looking through the trees. And it shows you the ground scan. It shows you the tree scan. It shows you the leaves, the canopy, um, depending on which which lens you want to see it through. And we were able to find a lot of detail of, of the trails and the water sources and, and uh, just landscape contour that we wanted to research and look into. So that was a heck of a mapping device for us to plan where they would go, where I would go, where we would meet um, just just an amazing piece of technology. I think it's the same technology that they're using in the Amazon to try to find lost ruins and things like that. It's, it's an incredible piece yeah. of equipment. So, so you've been so you've been re- you know out hunting and researching Bigfoot, Sasquatch for quite a. I mean, how many years do you suppose? Uh, since the mid seventies, mid to late seventies. So. so I'd say forty-five years. Okay, so you know you haven't you don't always get to haven't always got to go out with this kind of technology. Um, Do does it? Do you find it like obviously it's a little bit easier? But do you did you you remember the good old days where you just you know you're out there, just your eyes and ears and uh, feet looking for you know trying to find those game trails instead of. Um, somebody mapping it out for I mean, I mean, sure it's a little bit easier maybe, but which do you like? Which do you like better? Be honest with you, the seventies, getting a backpack and having the National Forest uh, Bitterroot Valley backpack with a Bitterroot Valley um, Forest Service map on it, and you have to learn how to read a map you know, elevations and that sort of thing and where trails are. I would just head out on the trails, follow my map and don't laugh, but I had my Polaroid camera with several, <laughs> several things of film in it, 
where if I got something, I would have a Polaroid picture of it. That was the only camera I had back then. And then I finally worked my way up to um, the film. Uh, it was a Pentax K1000 35 millimeter film camera. And I would carry that around. And I, I thought I was Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett, all those bad, tough guys all in one, cruising through the mountains. But um, I, I, not knowing what I was going after, and this might sound naive, but uh, back then, I was a hunter. So I, I carried, you know, I carried a weapon with me thinking, you know, I'll, I'll take pictures of anything I can, but if something charges me, I have to protect myself. And, but, you know, I, I never, that was never an issue. It never came up, but, but if it did, I'd have a lot of great Polaroid pictures of it. <laughs> did you ever run into any bears while you were out there? Always, always. There were, there were, I, 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 I've seen so much wildlife out in the mountains of Montana, deer, elk, bear, cats, it, it, the wolverines, porcupines, you name it, I've seen it. Wolves, coyotes. It's and if you back then, where I was at, I was a young kid. I was what, thirteen years old, walking through the forest with a forty-four Super Blackhawk on my hip and a backpack full of Polaroid uh, film and and binoculars and and a big hunting knife and and I was fearless. Clearly, you, know, you did you, not possess. Clearly, you did not possess the right type of weaponry to stop a black bear, brown bear, grizzly bear. Are you kidding? Do you know what a 44 super black hawk is? 44 will do it. That'll <laughs> take care. I'll go through a bear skull. Oh, absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have absolutely. one. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, watch, watch your dirty Harry Clint Eastwood movie and he'll describe oh, you the world's oh, Okay. You had a 44 mag. Okay. Black. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, I was a, I wasn't that big of a guy, but the, what I carried was, was more than adequate. Um, but I, not once did I ever get cornered by, um, uh, a mountain lion, a, a bear or anything. I, I, not once they, as soon as they have human contact, generally, unless you're standing between a, a, a mama bear and her cubs, they're going to roll off and, and just put distance between you. They want nothing to do with you. So so let's so let's fast forward then to the sh- to the show and it was something that you know you and I discussed last night. Basically, the one of the highlights of the show is using now today's technology what you were able to capture. Okay, and this just made me think about think about because uh, you told me the distance last night you estimated at what you captured on the infrared, and I'm thinking hearing you talk about being out there in the 70s, how many times you were that close to something back then and just had no idea because you didn't have the infrared to tell you, to tell you. I know. So, you, you, I, who knows? I mean, I, I probably uh, stepped over a log with Bigfoot hiding underneath of it in the 70s. I wouldn't have known. Oh. So, um, the, so the infrared, uh, the thermal imaging was, it's designed to, to pick up anything that's different from the, the basic temperature outside. So it'll show you something that's warmer than your, your overall temperature. So you'll see there's, uh, I think even on the show, there was a short blip of it where I was actually watching a bat fly in the air wow. um, with this thermal imaging because it, it shows up this little, it, it just shows up with the heat that it, the little body has. 
Um, I saw deer and elk through the thermal imaging and their contrast of the outside temperature with them, you know, showed up white. Uh, sometimes a little bit of color of red, depending on how close I was to it. But I caught something on the thermal imaging that was several hundred yards away. And when it showed up on the show, you'll see that I'm looking through the thermal imaging and I see this big red um, heat signature. And red means it's extremely hot. A deer, you'll see later on, is white hot. So the hotter it gets, you get to red and yellow, and it's, I mean, you're talking smoking hot. So this thing was definitely, it surprised me. And instinctively, I take my eyes off the thermal, and I look up out into the vast darkness thinking that I'm going to see something, which was uh, really kind of dumb that I did that, but that's neither here nor there. There was nothing to see. It looked back at the thermal imaging, and I'm watching this thing. And I'm, what I'm trying to do with my, my device is I click the enhance, which will actually um, expand the thing to where I can see it better. You know, zoom in, I guess. So I zoomed in on it. I'm trying to zoom in on it. And as, as I'm zooming in on it, it's articulating and moving in just kind of a very odd fashion. And then it disappeared. So that, that was disturbing because something that's that hot and that big that vanishes into thin air I don't I don't like that because I don't understand it. Yeah, I understand. And we then, have those flare cameras at work, same thing. Something disappears like that, it gets you worried. So, yeah, the, you wonder where it's going to show up next. Right, right. <laughs> you know, come on. So, for purposes of heat signature, we talked about this and I think this explained was really well on the show is that the deer shows up white because it is covered in fur. And that fur blocks right. blocks some of the heat signature. So what you picked up on the infrared that was burning red had to be something that did not possess a hide, like a deer or an elk or something like this. So it, it was Or even be, a bear. Probably or even a bear. A bear. bear. So it would be more, and, and from looking at, you know, from obviously you guys broke it down, but it looked to me like a bipedal whatever it was with arm swing to it and so and it wouldn't have had height on it like an animal like a like a deer elk or even a bear so real real fascinating to to see that and see it's a movement um and then just disappears right so I, i've got theories on that where i was trying to work my head around it okay i'm thinking what could take heat and make it dissipate quickly. So it would be, it would have to be something pretty solid for it to get behind. But when we looked at the area the next day, there was really nothing for it to hide behind. And I got to see for the first time, I, <clears throat> I was out of the field and back home doing my regular job, working on the nuke site when they were able to get the analysis done and do the side-by-side -side comparison. When I had actually gone out the next day and stood similar to where I thought it was, so they did a side-by-side -side analysis of my heat trace and the heat trace that I had picked up, you know, the day prior on the thermal imaging. So it was my first time seeing it when I was watching the show. And I thought, holy crap, I'm over six feet tall, 250 pounds, and I put out a pretty good thermal. Well, whatever it was that I got on those thermal imaging made me look small and much hotter than me. And... 
it it did surprise me the actual size of whatever it was. That to me was a big surprise. The second thing that actually confused me was where did that heat go? Um, where do you take that much heat and make it vanish in an open field? Now, about a hundred yards from me, this thing was, I would say several hundred yards away. So it would have had to approach me pretty fast to get to the little, the little trickling water that was between the two of them. There's a little creek in there. It would literally have to run and advance towards me at a very rapid pace and jump in that water in order to make the heat disappear. That, that wasn't the case. You, you saw what I was seeing and it just simply calmly just disappeared. There was no moving about or rushing of any type and it didn't get closer to me before it disappeared. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time that we have this week. So tune in next week as we continue this episode with Russell Accord. And for all the people out here, as few as they may be, that are not familiar with Russell Accord, he's the co-host of that famous series only found on the Travel Channel called Expedition Bigfoot. We look forward to having him back to finish this episode. And in the meanwhile, on Wednesdays, stay tuned for a new project that we have. We call it the Midweek Howl, where our very own crew member, the Ozark Howler, will discuss some of the stories, and they're all true stories, that he's had over the years, many years of law enforcement and working in the federal government. So stay tuned. We appreciate you listening to our program and look forward to having you back next week. Thank you. Please visit us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash from the shadows podcast and on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash from the shadows podcast. You can visit our webpage at from the shadows podcast dot go daddy sites dot com or contribute to our Facebook discussion page called after the shadows. And tweet us on our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash podcast underscore from. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to hearing from you all. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs> God only knows what's hiding in our shadows. God only knows what's hiding in our shadows.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.